you have some of the prerequisites mm -hmm. to happiness. Mm -hmm. Actually, there is an inherent value in the act of living. Your aliveness itself has value that needs to be honored. Isn't it? Somehow we make exceptions for ourselves where we treat ourselves not like a fellow human being, nor even like life. We treat our Welcome to How to Be an Adult, a podcast by the practitioners at the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis in Toronto, Canada. It's a show for people like you who've inadvertently become adults and don't know what to do about it. I'm Luke Chow. And I'm Pascal Langdale. Whether you're 18 or 80, this show is the trail guide that nobody gave you when you gained equality with your parents. In this episode, we're going to start to describe in more depth the principles we outlined in the first episode. The first one being the captain of your ship. If there's one metaphor that encapsulates in so many different ways not just the responsibilities of adulthood, but the empowerment that one has as an adult to determine their course and therefore their future. It's that in the open ocean, you're the captain of your ship. No one else is. And the other good news in this is that you're not the captain of any other adult's ship. There are many ways we can take the metaphor, mm -hmm. but that's essentially it. So you're a captain of your ship. That means that you have authority over uh, your direction, your course, in a 360-degree potential. And what is, your, what is the correct attitude to the open ocean? Well, often people feel that because there are 360 degrees of freedom, and you could choose any city in the world to live in if you apply through the right channels, mm -hmm. you, you can choose any university um, to attend if they'll accept you. Because there's so much freedom, often people feel overwhelmed, even mm -hmm. paralyzed by this freedom. What I want to point out is, is that the ship can only sail in one direction at a time. Hmm. And that makes irrelevant the 359 degrees of freedom that are not the direction you want your life to go in. Hmm. It, it is not irresponsible if you've surveyed every possibility and you're choosing only one future, when you try to go in two directions at once, let's say I'm trying to please everyone. Let's say I'm trying to be everything to everyone and I'm going in not just two directions, I'm going in multiple directions. That ensures that your ship at best will zigzag <laughs> or at worst, go in circles. And that's where I think a lot of our listeners might have found themselves in adulthood, where your life doesn't seem to be going anywhere. If you feel your place at the helm as your proper place, if you feel that you've got your hands on the wheel and you, you can chart your course and stay the course until you reach each destination, and you're choosing one direction out of 360, this is how it's it's done. It's not by zigzag. Mm -hmm. and, and and with that self-authority, does that also come with a sense of self-respect, self-esteem, self-love? Is is it possible to captain a ship without that? Well, yeah. I, I, I've talked um, so far only about where you're going in life. Mm -hmm. So where are you going to place the vessel next? But then there's the vessel itself, mm -hmm. which is yours. 
there's the saying that the captain goes down with the ship, mm -hmm. right? So this metaphor holds when you imagine that your your life and your body, your your health, your relationships, your values that this all comprises the the ship. So the self caring and the mm -hmm. self loving and the self respecting is to ensure that the faithful vessel you're on will continue to serve you. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to live uh, 100 years, or you take the attitude that you're um, a living being that deserves a good shot at it, let's put it that way, there's the next axiom, which is to, uh, it's important to take care of yourself as a human life, which is under your care. Expand on that a little. If we imagine a houseplant, right? Mm -hmm. If we imagine that someone's gifted you just even like a little cactus, you'll give it enough but not too much water, you'll give it enough sunlight, and for a cactus, it's going to need more sunlight than some other species, mm -hmm. and you're going to give it enough fertilizer in the soil, and you might even take care to make sure it's specific for cactuses. It's a very loved cactus. It's a very, <laughs> I would say, not overloved cactus. No, no. That's because if you, do, if you do too much, then you rot its roots after all. If, if, you, if, if you water, water it too much. Too much. Yeah. But, but proper care is not to give it too much. Mm -hmm. Proper care is to give it what it needs. Right. Enough, but not too much. Mm -hmm. When we take care of ourselves, we're usually breathing enough air. We're usually eating, if anything, too much food. Mm -hmm. But we're definitely having enough food. We have enough available water to drink, though not everyone hydrates them, themselves well enough. Where we will, however, find a lot of lack is in the self-caring mm -hmm. and the self-loving and the self-respecting. Now, since this podcast is called How to Be an Adult, I would add that to feel consistently loved, to feel consistently accepted, to feel consistently validated, mm -hmm. you should take the side of those who love and care about and validate you. You shouldn't take the side of those who would criticize you and harangue you when you're thinking your own thoughts to yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people in their own heads, they'll take the side of th those who don't like them or who would criticize them mm -hmm. um, unfairly. And they don't take as much the side of those who care about them. It's almost like we take our loved ones for granted and that we think so much about our enemies. Mm -hmm. But that to me is an inversion mm -hmm. of, of the right order where we can care a lot less about people who don't have our best interest in mind and to care instead about the, the, those who would give us respecting and loving and caring and validating. So to take your a cactus or plant analogy is that there's there are sort of fundamental human needs that need to be addressed, self-caring being, uh, being a preeminent one, really. Well, it's caring that's the need. It's just a modern society yeah. that requires self-caring mm -hmm. to, to be the, the, the thing that fulfills the need. Yeah. But that would include things like, if it's the, the, the universals that human, humans need, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy needs, you'd have... Um, you know, shelter, warmth, food. You mentioned uh, food, water, and so on. But there's also uh, you need to exercise as well, right? I mean, that's a need. That's you could argue that's a need. And I've heard you argue this before, and I, I agree. The emotional support network that you need, um, emo emotional self-regulation as well, is also a form of self-care, which you've touched on there, um, being that you don't take the side of the the uh, negative critic, which is already is already in the background to save you from from the you know the, the tigers in the in the woods. But there's, there's also what happens when 
uh, when something goes wrong with your self-care, say uh, you break a leg, say you find you're, um, you're mentally in a, in a rough place, it's easy to, to get really angry and annoyed with your, uh, the fact that this misfortune has struck you. What's, what's the proper attitude as a self-caring adult that, that believes in their self-worth to deal with that? The question to ask yourself is, how would I speak to a friend or a brother or a sister mm. who's in precisely the same situation? Mm -hmm. And let's assume you love your friends and your siblings. <laughs> so <laughs> so if, if you've broken a leg, if you were to blame yourself and criticize yourself, that is not in line with how you would treat mm -hmm. a loved one. If you would show a loved one more love, more care, more positive attention, if, if you'd encourage them not to criticize themselves mm -hmm. too much, then your own conscience is telling you that that's the proper attitude. It's mm -hmm. not even the guy on the internet you're listening to. It's your own conscience is mm -hmm. telling you that the proper attitude is to give yourself that level yeah. of self-loving and self-caring. I, I use that when talking to kids, actually, saying, you know, when they're, they're saying, oh, I can't do this, I'm useless. And you say, well, okay, what would your best mate say to you right now? And often it turns it around entirely because they're sort of, they step out themselves and for a moment they can see themselves as their friends might see them. Again, one of the questions that might come up, um, and, and, I, and I, I've, I've had this question as well, is what's the, what's the big justification for caring at all? I mean, there's a big why about why should we care for ourselves? What, what is it that means that we should, we should actually care for ourselves? What gives us the right to believe that's even important in a, 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 an enormous universe? You know? Well, th 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 this makes me want even more so to insert the word happy in between <laughs> how to be mm -hmm. and, and the word mm -hmm. adult. Because when you are well enough fed and well enough rested and mm. well enough loved, you have some of the prerequisites mm -hmm. to happiness. Mm -hmm. If you're not well enough fed and well enough rested and well enough loved, mm. you're missing some of the fundamental prerequisites for, for happiness. Mm -hmm. Now, I am assuming almost as axiomatic that our listeners want to be happy, mm -hmm. that they don't want to be stuck in their misery. Mm -hmm. We understand that the plant's not going to be happy if you've given it too much water. We understand that the dog's not happy if you've not walked it enough. Mm -hmm. We understand the friend's not happy if you're always critical and you never speak a kind word. Somehow we make exceptions for ourselves where we treat ourselves not like a fellow human being, nor mm -hmm. even like life. We treat ourselves almost like we're objects that can be neglected or abused yeah. because only objects can be neglected yeah. and abused without consequence. And a large part of what I end up having to communicate to, to my clients is that you're correctly categorized as life, you're correctly mm. categorized as a human being, and when you're over 18, you're correctly categorized as an adult where you're self-caring and your fulfillment of your own needs is the most reliable way mm -hmm. to have those prerequisites for happiness met. You mentioned a couple of things there. One was the, the, the dog and the plant, and I know we used the tree um, 
a reference as well. And one of the things that, that I've, I've heard you talk about was, well, well, actually, there was a tree in the street that I used to live that um, used to pass all the time, and, and they removed it, and there was like a local outcry about the fact that they'd removed it without consultation and so on. And this was a, a tree, it's just a maple tree on a corner of an average street in an average part of Toronto, right? And you mentioned a similar story, and it just points out, actually, there is an inherent value in the act of living your aliveness itself has value that needs to be honored it's a in, in one on the one hand the knowledge of your own death is the burden but the gift you get up until that point is the the living bit and to me that's i, I read somewhere that the chances of you luke existing in your current form is something like one in four trillion which is those are, that's an extraordinary thing just to think that i'm sitting next to somebody whose chance of existence was about one in four trillion I suppose if you want to talk about fundamental axiom, it's not even necessary that that perhaps that that your your purpose for living is to be happy. But you might say that the purpose of life is to honor the life by being happy, so that wherever you are, that you find your way to still honor the honor your life, whatever your circumstance, whether you're in your highest you know moment or your worst moment, that happiness is still available, that joy is still available. And I'd even go further and say maybe play is still available because I I've, I think that that's an also that if you if you satisfy all your basic needs, to me the sort of the uh, of course I'd say this as an actor but the um, uh, the sort of the pinnacle of human joy if you like or the opportunity for joy is actually the ability to play and play with others. <laughs> this description of of human beings as being fully alive and as part of this aliveness we do have things like play mm-hmm. this i think everyone can resonate with yeah yeah and and it's an aspiration that i think i think a lot of people when they think of an ideal in one way it fits into this it does fit into some way some into that category like uh, experiencing joy with your friends um experiencing art and culture or um or sport or whatever it is there's so much built around uh experience of this um reciprocal play uh, that i think i think that it's a, it's and that as a celebration of being alive i think that's a that's no small thing but uh, of course then it comes us to the, the the next point which is well okay i've stated that life is worth living because it's worth living which is a circular reasoning right so uh what's your position with something that says well it's all relative it's uh it, it, things are defined as as words define them and that's it the fact that we can kind of you know, sit here and say things that are going out to potentially thousands mm-hmm. or even millions of people. Mm-hmm. And at least I have confidence in my heart that the things I say here will be resonant yeah. among thousands or even millions of people. That speaks to a kind of common or even universal humanity. So I'll use the example of a musician mm-hmm. playing music, let's say in, in a studio, and then recording it, releasing it, and having it be heard by, let's say, a billion people. Mm-hmm. Probably a billion hearts and minds have been moved by that music. Not because the musician knew each of those people, but because the musician created something that speaks deeply to a common humanity. Mm-hmm. Here with the podcast and in my work as a hypnotherapist, and I imagine in your work as an actor, mm-hmm. you're trying to create 
a form of communication that speaks to that deeper, common, hmm. even universal humanity. And it's not just that we're creating work that's only for one age group mm -hmm. or only one gender or people of a certain social class. Your question is, what do I say to the relativists? And my answer is that if you have arrived at a view that doesn't generalize to 8 billion human beings, <laughs> you're not looking at human nature. Mm. You're looking at something that's culturally bound or time bound mm -hmm. or even just in, in one individual. And that's not where my interest lies. Yeah. Like the musician who wants to make timeless music that appeals to all of humanity, mm -hmm. I want to arrive at principles that are timeless and that apply mm -hmm. to all of humanity. An experience we've all had is becoming big enough to get our own cup from the cupboard and then to reach the faucet and turn on the tap and fill it up ourselves so that we would never have to be thirsty inside our own homes again. Because until we became that big, we did have to sometimes be thirsty. Once we're big enough to get our own cup and fill it up, we can kind of move on to fulfilling other needs that we might have. Mm -hmm. And I would say that as we get older, we eventually learn to cook for ourselves, too. We eventually learn how to make a living so that we can pay for ourselves. We also need to learn how to validate ourselves mm -hmm. and how to love ourselves and how to otherwise care for ourselves for the very same reasons we had to learn how to get our own cup and fill it up ourselves. So th th there's that saying, which is biblical, um, my cup runneth mm -hmm. over, right? As a, an, an image of, of generosity. And if we kind of approach other people in the world with an empty cup, expecting them to fill it up for us, I mean, they might or might not, and then we're no, not guaranteed of having a full cup. Hmm. But if we are in the world and we ensure that our cup runneth over, that's where we can be generous. Mm -hmm. That's where we can be loving. That's where we can set aside our own lack or feelings of lack to be part of something greater and to contribute and to add to the world, as I would suggest adults must do. Why should adults care about truth at all? Well, You've noticed that adults do care about truth. Mm. They don't like it when people lie yeah. to them. And I would suggest that this orientation toward truth is a defining characteristic of being an adult, mm. where the child gets to be in a fantasy playland, mm -hmm. right? No one's going to ask them to design a bridge that stays standing. Mm -hmm. No one's going to ask them to make a spacecraft that can safely transport people to the moon and mm -hmm. back. Particularly so, not if it's a cardboard box. Well, yes. <laughs> so part of our transition to adulthood means that we have to acknowledge that there is a material universe. Mm. So children are allowed a certain latitude when it comes to the truth, both in their explorative play, but also they have to learn the value of telling the truth. And it's tough because kids fear the repercussions of doing something wrong. They don't have that self-assurance yet. So sometimes their proclivity is to lie because they fear the consequence of being told. And sometimes they have absolutely nothing. 
And so it's a process of, of learning that, in fact, telling the truth means facing perhaps the consequences, but then being brave enough to face them. And then you have to say, and this is, this is something that I think uh, is, again, you know, part of being an adult, you have to say, well, I'm willing to uh, say what I believe to be true to the best of my ability and accept the consequences as ultimately being better than if I had lied. So as an adult, I think that you you have to be in a position where you're, you're, you have that self-assurance to say, to own up when you've done something wrong, and in the same way, to therefore not be fearful of telling the truth and to accept the consequences as being either good or bad, but accepting that ultimately it can only lead to good. The analogy that I, I use is the dragon in the kitchen, right? So in this story, uh, uh, a kid returns home from school and there's this small dragon sitting on the kitchen table. And the kid goes, Mum, Mum, there's, there's a dragon on the table. And the, the mum's too busy. He goes, no, there isn't. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then sure enough, the next day, kid comes in. Mum, Mum, there's a dragon on the table. And it's, this time it's bigger. And uh, the mum and dad are in the kitchen. They go, oh, don't worry about it. No, it's, they're just imagining things, you know. And this goes on for some time. And then eventually the, the, uh, the child comes back from school and the parents are standing and looking at the, the house, which is completely collapsed, and in its place is this massive dragon. And the kid goes, I told you there was a dragon in the kitchen. And the parents go, yep, yep, there was a dragon in the kitchen. And this is, to this end, it's sort of, uh, the moral of that story is that it's better to tell the truth while the dragon is small, those uncomfortable truths to yourself and to others. Because you don't want that that uh, denial to turn into a monster that then affects your life to such a bad degree. Well, we, we've talked about the external consequences mm -hmm. of lying. Mm -hmm. There are also internal consequences right. to lying, where if you want to see yourself as an honest person of integrity, mm -hmm. then every lie you tell chips away mm. at that self-concept until that self-concept after enough lies will no longer be able to hold. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest that it is a path to happiness to yeah. have a self-concept that you're a decent yeah. person. But I, I, I'd also say that just like uh, the kid that's afraid, there, there's, there's, you can see that there's reasons why people will lie to themselves or lie to others, either knowingly or unknowingly, and that humans will often fall from their own conscience. You know, that, that phrase, you know, uh, the softest pillow is an easy conscience. That suggests that a lot of people don't have soft pillows. Do you know what I mean? To even make that a sentence <laughs> suggests that that's not, not the rule. It might be the exception. But as a, as a, um, as a general rule, perhaps, and, a, uh, and something that's axiomatic to, uh, being an adult is facing those truths early on, knowing that that's actually the the best time to face them, however uncomfortable it might be. And I, I would add that even if there are consequences externally, mm -hmm. right? So someone's angry at you, mm -hmm. or you've got to pay a fine, or mm -hmm. go to jail for a couple years, or, or whatever. Or somebody's attitude then, to you is utterly changed. That's, yes, mean, you know, that, 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 that's, that's a, a consequence. That's a big consequence for a lot of people. Even right? then, I would suggest 
that there's going to be psychological relief mm-hmm. because you've spoken the truth, you've faced the consequences. It's no longer a burden for your conscience mm-hmm. because whatever proper punishment, even if it's just losing just losing a friend, mm-hmm. whatever proper consequence has been doled out, mm-hmm. and then you can sleep well at night again. Mm-hmm. The Catholics had um, confession, mm-hmm. right? Where you know you don't have to carry it in your own heart if you confess it to a priest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are problems with that system, <laughs> but 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 still, the, the the concept I think is sound. Mm-hmm. That if you tell the truth to a priest or in the modern world, you tell the truth to mm-hmm. a therapist, then you can sleep a little bit better at night mm-hmm. because it's not just your burden any longer. Now you've externalized it. Mm. All right. So we we spoke. Uh, in the last uh, episode about being pro-social and how, how that's, that's an important principle uh, to follow. I would even suggest it's an expression of your humanity right. and to be anything other than pro-social. This, this doesn't mean, um, by the way, it doesn't mean you have to go party a lot. It, it means that you act in ways that are beneficial to others and not just yourself. Um, you could also take to the other extreme and say, I'm gonna, the best way I can do this is to, the only way I can do this is to retreat into silence for the next 30 years. And I don't mean self-sacrificing either. Right. Um, because you are a human being. You are a member of society. Again, I, I, wasn't, I, I, I wouldn't overthink it too much because just hanging out, out at the park mm-hmm. and talking to yeah. whichever people yeah, yeah, yeah. walk by, it's not any formally defined role, but that's a very pro-social thing to do in your neighborhood. Right. Or just, you know, like if you, if you have too, too many cherry tomatoes from your garden, <laughs> just like, you know, leaving it on your front mm-hmm. yard or giving it to the neighbors. And, and it's not specifically transactional. It's more generally transactional for uh, society as a whole. So if I, if I leave my cherry tomatoes out, yep. it's not for any one person in order to have a reciprocal, oh, I'm giving it to this neighbor in order to get something back from them. Right. It's more of a general, a general attitude. Correct. And I would point out that, you know, the person leaving out the cherry tomatoes gets something back through their act of generosity. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, let's say that you are you're living in modern society where you have a plethora of choices. You're almost paralyzed by the potentials that face you in your life. Okay. How do you put your priorities in place? I say priorities like that's even possible. It could be a sequence of singular priorities is probably a better way of putting it. You have to use your own judgment and your own knowledge and basically do as all adults must do, Mm -hmm. which is to sacrifice some aspects of your life Mm -hmm. in favor of aspects of your life that you assign a higher priority to. So I'll give you an example. There are many people who sacrifice their health Mm -hmm. so they don't sleep well, they don't eat well, they don't exercise. They sacrifice their health for money and a career. Mm -hmm. There are other people who will not make that sacrifice. So they're going to sacrifice their career and their income potential Mm -hmm. in favor of being at the gym Mm -hmm. at 5 Mm p.m. and not staying behind like some of the Mm -hmm. other people at work. And because we each have to manage time as a scarce resource, Mm. all of us by necessity have to choose are we going to stay behind at five o'clock mm-hmm. and value work? Or are we going to leave and for one person is to go to the gym for someone mm-hmm. else. It's to see their girlfriend for someone else. It's to be with their kids mm-hmm. for someone else is to have a hobby like mm-hmm. singing in a choir. 
the reason I say it's, it's not for me, it's not for you, it's not for any outside authority to define priorities for, for anyone is that we just don't have the information mm-hmm. that, that each individual has about themselves. So even if our listeners feel like they, they can't prioritize or, or they don't know what is important, I would say that you nonetheless still have much better information than us guys mm-hmm. talking to you through the internet. So if you want to be unhealthy and rich in the future, that determines your priorities today. Mm-hmm. If you want to be healthy and to, to value the simpler things in life in the future, well, that's going to decide the things you do today. Which is not necessarily, this is just a binary for uh, illustration. There's obviously o- only every, for illustration. Yeah. Obviously, there are priorities yeah. other than and, health and, and, and also money. extremes as well. That uh, one, you can be healthy and uh, be successful in business is not to say that it's impossible but i think what you're uh, you're you're uh, saying is that in it should be a discrete a it should be a discrete choice as in i'm open-eyed observing my needs wants and values and trying to make my choices align with those um so there's that and then in in doing that you are going to have to pick a course for your ship and stick to it basically uh, until more information comes Life can be long. It can also be short. Do we ever arrive anywhere? Do we ever, you say there's a port, sure, but do we ever sort of go, right, that's it, I'm an adult now. I don't need to learn anymore. Or, or is it, is it a, uh, or is, is, it, is basically being an adult a lifelong learning process? I think it was helpful in the prior episode to define what is mm-hmm. an adult. Because it's in that context that I, I'm answering the question. Someone who is 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, mm-hmm. they're all legally and socially mm-hmm. defined to be adults. Mm-hmm. But, but obviously, every decade or so, you're going to reassess some of the items at the very back of your closet. You might also benefit from reassessing some aspects of your self-concept that might be outdated. Mm. And I would say that everyone has the capacity to do this kind of reassessment or spring cleaning once in a while. Mm-hmm. So they're keeping thoughts about themselves that are current mm-hmm. and truthful and relevant. Up to date. yeah, Up to date. Mm-hmm. And they're letting go of thoughts that are no longer current. So, so all your thoughts about you in childhood are no longer relevant or current when you're, say, 40 years old. For all of you who are listening, you're probably still making new friends, you're reading new books, and you're definitely listening to new podcasts. <laughs> so you are already treating yourself as a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. You are already treating yourself as someone who's on a lifelong journey to, to, to being the most you can be or to being the, the best that you can be. Mm-hmm. One day, you're going to face the inevitable. That's episode 12, by the way. (laughs) You're going to face the inevitable. And you're not going to want to be thinking that you wasted your adult years Mm. not learning anything new, not Mm. making new friends, not doing anything new. You're going to want to think that you had a full, rich life. Mm. And one of the, the, the ways to be able to look back and feel that you've had a full, rich, fulfilling life is to always be growing mm-hmm. and metaphorically I, and i think part, part of that goes back to what we touched on perhaps in the first um uh, first episode about maintaining those aspects of adolescence into your adulthood maintaining aspects of curiosity of openness to new experiences curiosity openness mm-hmm. a beginner's mind as the zen buddhists say yeah 
these are not childish thoughts. Mm. These are, th- are human thoughts. A childish thought might be, just to give you a preview of the next episode, <laughs> that you've got to turn to other people for validation in matters pertaining to you personally. Right. That's a childish thought. Right, yeah. That you can abandon at 18. Yeah. But curiosity, openness to experience, wanting to learn new things and meet new people, these are not actually, in my view, mm. childish thoughts. Mm-hmm. Or behaviors. These are human thoughts and behaviors that you see in children, and you only don't see in adults who have a very different concept of adulthood. Mm-hmm. In general, take responsibility. They go end. That's it. Cut. We're done. <laughs> well, responsibility, like being an adult, often develops bad connotations mm-hmm. because parents try to make sometimes bad parents try to make (laughs) responsibility into this tremendous burden that you don't know how to handle Mm -hmm. and it makes adulthood awful (laughs) yeah and you've also heard me recast responsibility as a most wonderful thing Mm -hmm. that gives me power and prestige in the world which is exactly when when you know my kids say, "Oh, I'd love to be an adult," that's what they're seeing. They're seeing that freedom, that agency, that um, uh, the fact that I can uh, know what I can take out of the fridge, uh, how much chocolate I can eat. You know, um, I, I know that um, very many adults will go, "Oh, yeah, no, it's hard though. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be an adult. Enjoy your youth while you life. You have no idea, you know, uh, how difficult it is, you know." <laughs> and they're just projecting upon the young person yeah. th- th- their own struggles and, and challenges and, and limited view. In my experience, adulthood is a lot better mm-hmm. than childhood. Mm-hmm. The part that I, I want to put a spotlight on is that the freedoms of adulthood are when you're feeling like the captain of your own ship. They're going to keep you sailing through the difficult parts. Mm -hmm. When you were a child and you didn't have this freedom, when you went through the difficult parts, I mean, Mm -hmm. what what, what could you do? Mm. Unless you had really, really good parents. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, well, um, you know, saying that uh, adulthood is is better than being a kid is that that's a... maybe a personal experience in the sense that if you had a fantastic childhood then you could say well that period I was fit for purpose as a child and my parents were fit for purpose as parents now what do I do now I'm an adult which is uh, a sort of a different equation right so it's not necessarily that childhood is not as good as being an adult it's more like if you've got good parents then childhood is a great gestation period of growth in preparation for a lifetime of being an adult. Sort of that sh- that's probably the proper way of looking at it rather than right. you know, one thing being better than the other. Well, one, one, in an ideal world, right. So. <laughs> one title I considered for this podcast, mm-hmm. it's just too long, but mm-hmm. I think it's a good encapsulation of what <laughs> yeah. I want to achieve. It's things your parents should have told you mm-hmm. but didn't, mm-hmm. a guide for adults. Yeah. And it's because only... It wouldn't quite fit it, on it, there. It would not. Yeah. <laughs> it's only very lucky people who have parents who set them up so that adulthood's going to be better than mm-hmm. the childhood. Um, the rest of us have to learn it, say, through a podcast. 
but at <laughs> least now this podcast exists. exists. Yeah. Now's your chance to do the uh, uh, the Star Wars quote. <laughs> it's actually Spider Man. It, it, it's the second uh, time Uncle I've done Ben. That. It's, it's <laughs> Ben Parker. Um, says yeah, in the comments, I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> demolished for that. <laughs> God. <laughs> so Uncle Ben says to Peter Parker. With great power mm-hmm. comes great responsibility, right? And Peter Parker tries to live his life by that. Mm-hmm. And it's very truthful. It, it, you know, when you have power, without responsibility, you're a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. With responsibility, you can help to shape the world into a better shape because you've been elevated to that position of power. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the inverse is also true. Mm. So when I was a kid... I really, really wanted just to get past the childhood phase mm. to become an adult because when you take on responsibility, it comes with power. Mm. It comes with prestige. It's not just that when you're thrust into a position where you have power that you then must perform the duty of being responsible with that power. It's also that when you claim increasing responsibility for yourself, that there is power that comes with that. All right, well, um, let's wrap this up then. Okay. Thanks for listening. Pascal and I are both available for hire through the Morpheus Clinic for Hypnosis in Toronto, Canada, and we are seeing clients worldwide. The website is morpheusclinic.com, and there you can ask for a free consultation where we can apply some of our thought to the concerns that you have. The ideas you've heard during this episode are some of the ideas that we instill in our clients. And if you've benefited from what you've heard here, feel free to share the podcast with anyone who you think might benefit, and like and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube at Morpheus Hypnosis. Or you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you find uh, your podcasts. And watch out for the next episode, where we dig into another one of these principles and talk specifically about your place in the world amongst others. So press the subscribe button and uh, keep an eye out for the next episode.